Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 27, the Punchboarders talk about recent plays, reach into the mailbag and answer a question, and review Blackout Hong Kong. Hi, everybody. I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. No, I'm Richie. Gentlemen, congratulations. It's officially been one year. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't even, I didn't <laughs> even realize that. You actually. weren't even keeping track. Here we go. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, so, Richie, Richie, we've done it. We've, we've yeah. stayed we lasted Chad a year. For, I mean, oh, I mean, yeah, we've all lasted a year. <laughs> <laughs> no, Richie, you seriously don't don't uh, recall editing 20, 26 episodes. Huh? Try to block that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is uh, this has been great. I I've enjoyed every every moment of this past year. I'm I'm ready to do this for another 15, 20, 30 years. What do you oh, guys think? Slow down little, there. Oh, I don't years. know what I'll oh. be doing in fifteen or twenty years, but but yeah, I've, it's been a great year, and we won't we won't belabor the point, but. Thanks to all the listeners who listen, because, I mean, without you guys, there really wouldn't be a podcast. I mean, we could probably do it, but... <laughs> yeah. We we really thank all five of you. We appreciate yeah. you. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I love you. <laughs> Is your mom still listening? <laughs> I think once in a while. I don't know. I I actually have no idea. So, any, any fond memories from over the past year? Obviously, it just getting to sit with you chuckleheads around the table, but, I mean, you know, talking with friends on the slack chat and i mean because the podcast sort of enables us to kind of honestly chat with people across the globe you know yeah yeah it definitely the podcast brings us what we want which is having more of a community i've gotten to you know know a lot more people than i ever would have without this podcast so that's that's one of the best things about it yeah just enables me to talk about board games with more people which i'm happy about (laughs) for sure one of the things we will be doing in the next month or so hopefully is sending out a, a survey basically uh, to everybody that we can get it to to kind of ask your opinion on certain things whether it be segments or episode length or all those kinds of things to try to get your help to make it better be looking for that in the next month or so we'll try to send that out and and get people's opinions and try to include stuff that people like and maybe cut down at least a little bit on stuff that people don't like except i'm still going to be on the show so uh that's 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 kind of a a fifty thousand foot view but can we add a question in there would they like to hear clef go on two hours about how amazing euro games are and how i don't need theme and i don't need components can let's add that question in there to see if people want more of that yeah i was gonna say i think people would be like and that's different (laughs) oh okay all right (laughs) richie why don't we move on to what we've been playing can we do that we can but first oh another thing i love is when i'm right i'm gonna read a little uh read a little something here to chad <laughs> of course explore the mysterious island of la isla and hunt for long thought extinct animals the gentle dodo the vigilant giant fossa the exclusive golden toad the dexterous pika and the graceful Owlet moth. Now, I I did I could have just stopped at hunt because that's the key word in hunt. La Isla. Hunt. hunt, hunt. Yeah, but like you can hunt down stuff and still you know take a picture of it. Yeah, you know what? Okay, so I, <laughs> look, I know I realize I've lost this. I I actually did get to teach this game to Finn and he quite enjoyed it. And as I was I was 
giving him the theme of like we're trying to track down these animals and and say that we found these really nearly extinct animals and take pictures of them he was all in on it and inside i was crying a little bit because you ruined it for me <laughs> you and, and chad on our slack you guys posted I, I you know i really enjoyed the theme before this and now i just realized that you're basically helping to make these animals extinct exactly <laughs> all right fine you're right everybody you're right all right okay now we can move on to recent plays here <laughs> so i've been doing fairly well on my new year's resolution i'm not adding too many games to my collection and going through my uh, list of shame or whatever we want to call it and the way that i've been doing that is by buying a lot of expansions and one of the expansions i got here recently was the expansion to caverna which is called uh, the forgotten folks and this was originally a fan expansion that lookout games picked up and actually published and i gotta say it is one of my favorite expansions i've played in a long time so I see, I see the doubt in Klaus' eyes because you you are not a Caverna fan, right? That is that is correct. I I too much, too many spots to go to, too much going on. I give me a little now. What I think that you would like this because it does the opposite to me from what I haven't played it, but from what I can, I have I have it at home too and have looked through the rules. It seems like it does the opposite of what Caverna does. Because it gives you these player powers, and Richie, I know you're going to talk about it, but it gives you these these player powers that kind of direct your choices, winnow your your strategies down a little bit more in some respects. That's what I'm. That's what I could glean from the rule book anyway, and I haven't played it yet. Richie, maybe you've got more insight for us. Hopefully, you got me at player powers, so I'm I am now interested, and I'm listening. So the player powers definitely focus your strategy a bit more. So like think the cards in Agricola. You know, at the beginning of the game, it kind of sends you down a certain path that you should go. The thing that I like about this, though, with those player powers is that it makes you unique, for sure. So I've, I've played as a couple of the factions. Uh, the last time I played, I played as the trolls. And so I'll give you an example of just some of the things that change for you, because everyone will get their own board that has you know a picture of their faction, and then it has the rules for that faction on there. Trolls, they, they get a big stick or a big club. So when they forge a weapon, they have to pay exactly two wood instead of ore, and then their weapon that they get is always at a strength of four. But each time that they go on an expedition, they always get one additional item. All of these powers kind of have a, a positive and a negative. So although they, you know, they get an extra item every time they go on an expedition, they have small brains. So they stop their <laughs> <laughs> their level stops at ten. So they can't go up to the full. I think it's fourteen level weapon. So that limits you know, the things that they can get out of an expedition, but obviously they get more out of an expedition. Hmm. Every player power is completely different. There's some that, like uh, the Adventurers, which was a promo one, but I picked that up as well. Uh, they do not even collect off of the spaces when they go there. So so just like in Agricola or the base game of Caverna, those spaces will accumulate different goods. When the Adventurer goes there, they do not take the goods. They can, they'll still take the action that's a part of it, but when they go on expedition, they can take goods off of those spaces instead. Oh, so, and they're also not blocked by other people. Every power is completely different. You can tell that it's, you know, that the fans were involved because I'm not saying that uh, uh, Uwe Rosenberg, that his stuff isn't exciting or fun, but he kind of does the same thing over and over again. Right. And this is very different. And you can tell that the fans had something to do with it as well. Uh, so maybe a great Plains Festival this weekend. We'll try to sneak in a game so you can try out the player powers. I, I, I'm in. I am willing to get. I didn't dislike. 
I know this is going to be hurtful to some people. I do not like Feast for Odin. I have tried that game again, and I do not like that game. But Caverna, I remember I didn't mind it. It just didn't really just capture me for what it did. But boy, I, I like player powers, and I like a little bit more of something to hone your strategy in. So I'm in. And you, see, you that's, got me ready. That's why I thought you would like it because it's more. Here's your here's your restrictions. Do your efficiency engine thing within those restrictions. So it, it's less of a sandbox in that regard. So and the other thing that it changes, which because Caverna has been slipping for me a little bit. Uh, one because I I don't get to play it as much because my wife doesn't like it. Chad's okay with it, and then obviously Clef. But the <laughs> <laughs> obviously, <Clef. laughs> obviously one of the reasons that has been slipping is because those the buildings out there don't change. And I had been waiting for an expansion, and this this expansion took a long time to come out. But finally, with depending on what player powers are in the game, that changes out the buildings that are out there. So some buildings completely come off. So that does change the strategies. Because once you know a particular strategy, it's easy for you to continue to go after that because those buildings are always out there. I also want to try You know, our friend Chad, who's on our Slack channel, I also want to try it with his variant of actually drafting tiles beforehand kind of thing which is sort of makes it a little bit more like uh, Agricola in that way too, because you've got a, a handful of, of things to start with. So I, I, I want to try it that way too. But yeah, that, that sounds interesting. I can't wait to finally break mine out, hopefully. Glef, what you got for us? Well, we all got in a one of my favorites, uh, Zango, the other day. And obviously what's your game is, well, one of my favorite publishers, <clears throat> not Chad's, um, <laughs> still a little bitter. <laughs> Draft better is all I have to say. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, it's a really great game with with multi use cards. Uh, you know, same premise of you're looking to score victory points throughout the game, and you know you play you play five rounds, but you always have the choice when you use these multi use cards. Are you going to use them to like increase your engine in your tableau, um, or are you going to use them to take actions? And then the other nice uh, fun thing about the game is. When you put that card out there to do an action, you're trying to be either higher than the card that was there before, the number that was there before, or lower than the number that was there before to take certain, like to chain your actions that you have on your tableau. But it plays quick. It's it's a it's extremely um, interactive type of game where you're also trying to uh, trying to place governors and palaces out on the board, and you're also trying to get to spots where you're building the Great Wall. So it's got a nice player interaction. And then it has some uh, in-game bonuses that you're trying to kind of do. And you're also trying to get those, uh, oh, what are they, those things, those action markers, of the different colors that you're trying to get that then you use to get different things through the rounds. So just a really nice kind of mesh of great mechanisms that I, I just, you know, for me, that's just right up my alley. I mean, when we're talking wonderful Euro games with, with just great mechanisms. Yeah. I mean the theme, I don't know, maybe you guys, the, the themes, I, I actually used some themes when I theme, when I was talking about the game the other night when I was doing the unrest, didn't I? <laughs> Did you? All right. Maybe not. <laughs> I, I think he tried, uh, you know, it wasn't, was try for it, wasn't it wasn't really dry. You know, I, I felt like there was some theme there for what you're doing. The, the one thing that I, I will say about this is it's interesting because I hadn't played it in a long time. And it was great to get it back to the table. But this is it for all of us, I think, around the table. This is an engine builder that doesn't overstay its welcome. You guys particularly are more persnickety about that stuff than I am. But 
the it it can go pretty quick once everybody understands what they're doing and your engine that you build doesn't take a long time to unchain those different actions and so that's kind of nice and then the interaction out on the board as opposed to some of these other ga- games that we've talked about you know racing to certain spots that was kind of interesting as well and how you're trying to work on a certain thing but not let anybody else get too far ahead in their things too and so uh, i think that that's for me, at least, why this game works so well as an engine builder. And then, of course, multi-use cards are always a grabber for me. Yeah, and they're supposed to be putting out an expansion here pretty soon if the Kickstarter ever goes up. I think they were now talking about like Q3 that the Kickstarter would go up. Mm, all right. And I'll, I believe I'll expect that around the time Brazil comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe that's the designers are Marco Canetta and Stefania Nicolini, I think. Yeah, absolutely, Chad. Good call. But yeah, um, if you like... You know, Euro-y games with good mechanisms and multi-use cards. This is definitely one you should check out. All right. So, yeah. Anyway, so, Chad, what, uh, what's what been on your table? Well, you and I actually not too long ago got, to get, got together and got a play-in of War Chest, which was a big one from last year from AEG. And it's designed by Trevor Benjamin and David Thompson. And a lot of people had this on their games list for end of the year games, you know, so I wanted to kind of check this out. First of all, it's a beautiful production. It's a uh, It's uh, gotten really nice poker chips. It's kind of a bag builder type thing where your units, it is a, I'll say it's an abstract, an abstract strategy game and your units are, are poker chips that you put out and you're drawing them out of a bag and you're, you're doing different things. You're deploying them out on the board or maybe you're bolstering with another poker chip. So they're kind of making it stronger. Uh, You are trying to buy other units to put into your bag and drawing those out. Basically what you want to do though, is you're trying to control, I think it's two different, uh, control spots on the board essentially there are a few to be able to control but if you control two of them then you kind of win the game and you're trying to take out each other's units back and forth with different powers and your units have powers that are on cards so they get to attack in different ways or get to kind of manipulate movement on the board in different ways kind of can skip spots or attack diagonally far across it it is a lot like a lot of other abstract strategy games that you would think, but the production is very, very nice. Those poker chips feel solid and, and they're pretty and the bags are really nice that you're drawing out of. And then the other, but the other thing is that uh, the cards or the drawing out of the bag, the drawing the random units out of the bag is kind of the, the thing that it does differently here. Essentially, like I said, it was a great, great produced game. If you like abstract strategy games, this may be your thing. I, I wanted to give it a try because I heard so much about it. But ultimately for me, it wasn't it wasn't a game I, I got into much. I don't know if you'd like it, Richie. You you like you like a few more of those games that that uh, that kind of do some abstract strategy stuff. But I for me, there wasn't a lot going on to kind of to kind of make decisions with, I guess that that was my that was my thing. Uh, the game is, is not for us, maybe is a good way to put it, you know, yes, it's kind of abstract strategy, but then it's random on which ones you're drawing, which to me didn't really go along with an abstract strategy game because, you know, an abstract strategy game, you're supposed to be doing strategy and usually you have everything that you need. And this was kind of weird. I mean, I'm terrible at abstract strategy games and I kind of crushed you. Yeah, and well, because I got lucky because I feel like I just kind of got lucky. I drew the right tiles at the right time. And and I that just kind of just didn't work for me. Well, I will say, I think, you know, you can I think if you know what you're doing, because we only had like a couple of plays of this. But if you mitigate your if you 
if you know what you're doing, I think you can mitigate your draw a little bit, just like in Orléans or something else. But I think the reason that they do that is because there are people out there who like a little bit of an abstract strategy element, but they don't want to be able to have, here's your opening strategy, here's your you know mid-game strategy, like you can in chess, you know, and map everything out way ahead of time. They want a little bit of, of randomness to, to work with there. I'll be honest, I have not heard of this game until you just started talking about it. I'm surprised. Yeah, and I mean I like I like some pure abstract games, but it's it's few and far between for the most part. I think the reason again that this did well is the bag builder element. Um but again, it wasn't enough difference for me to overcome being an abstract strategy game that just wasn't interesting. I just yeah. I bought into it because I wanted to see what the hubbub was about and it just wasn't for me. I will I will agree beautiful poker chips very nice to play with and looked pretty but yeah inevitably yeah just kind of not a punch border type of game i think is maybe the best way to put it yeah that's probably it well i want to talk about one more if that's okay i do want to talk about amazons we played imperial settlers i a friend and i played imperial settlers excuse me and imperial settlers we talked about it that's an engine builder game that i actually really like but if you play it with more than two it does go from one to four but if you play it with more than two it can feel long because you've got these micro turns and you're chaining actions together and then again it, it has multi-use cards as well but because of these micro turns and how long you you can build your engine and that it lasts for five rounds it, it can go long with any other any other players besides two i think so th this is uh, Imperial Settlers by Ignacy Trevichek and Portal Games. And I, not too long ago, got the Amazons expansion. And so each of their factions, this is what I love about the game, is that they all have different things that they do. All the factions in the game, they have their own decks as opposed to something like 51st State where you're just getting the common deck. But what I liked about Amazons was they have this nifty little kind of deck building mechanism where when you pay... When you, when you build a faction on your left side of your board, because you're building out civilizations, some of the cost for those faction cards are a foundation of your faction. So if you want to get a card out of your hand and lay it down for your faction card or your faction building, you can pay a foundation on your left side and you get to shuffle it back into your deck rather than discard it like you normally would. Now, the interesting aspect to this is it can come up again and if it comes up again certain of those buildings let you score for other buildings that you have out so you're able to create these great point chains sometimes or resource chains but for what in my play i noticed is these big point chains that can kind of keep happening that are kind of fun because you are always exchanging a faction location and those are worth points at the end of the game. So you want to make sure if you're getting rid of that, that you're going to get something out of it. But if it comes back out again, you're able to build it. You get, you know, multiple, multiple points. And that's kind of a satisfying thing. So it's like a building bonus that you get when you put it back into play that will trigger? No, not necessarily. It's, it's like if you built a faction that, for instance, has a, it's a feature, you know, and says score this many points for all these buildings that you have out. So if you've done that once, right, and then you use that, to build another another faction building and shuffle it back in your deck, then if it comes up again, you get those points again, basically. Gotcha, gotcha. So you get that feeling of feeling really clever because you kind of were able to build your engine and keep getting these points and cycle them back through. It's kind of fun. I have this as well. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I'm still balancing, trying to balance my decks as best as possible and balance out the just the main commons deck. But it, I mean, it's tough with all of the expansions that they have out there, but I'm, I'm trying my best. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't deck build a, a lot with this, even though you can and can be really satisfying. But that's that's when it becomes more of a lifestyle game. And I don't have time for that with all the games that we play. And so I kind of looked at some options online and kind of went from there. But yeah, that's uh, Imperial Settlers Amazon's faction. Well, next up, we've been having a lot of contests. It was nice to see all our winners get their dice trays, for example. We saw Ben and Tim get their dice trays and post it, and they've yeah. been rolling some some good dice in those sweet dice trays. And I believe you said that uh, Andy England, who makes those, guarantees all good die rolls. Is that what Yeah, he yeah. said <laughs> natural 20s and uh, and 6s, so yeah, that's great. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're so, not working for me yet. I was but about okay. to say, it's not working for me. <laughs> but I will say, oh, we we've been having fun with uh, some of these giveaways. I'd like to do another one. It's a small thing, but we have some punchboard paradise travel mugs. These nice looking black travel mugs. You can put, you know, coffee or tea or water or whatever you want in them. And whiskey. So, I guess you could put whiskey if yeah, you I'm want. Just checking. Yeah, some I'm, of our listeners might like whiskey. Sure, yeah, that's a lot yeah. of whiskey. It just, yeah, <laughs> that's right. A tumbler of whiskey might be pushing it. You don't want to play uh, Madeira on a tumbler of whiskey. But if you did uh, want to take take that with you, we want to give you a chance to win one of those. And I'm going to post a picture up uh, in our social media spaces so you can kind of see what you're angling for. But we would like to give away one of these. What I've been thinking about is that we we don't have a good name for our listeners you know the all five of you we don't have a good name for you and so we would really like for we would like we, we can't come up with that we say punch borders a lot and try to include you guys in that but i i mean richie told me he goes i really don't know what a punch border is so. <laughs> i think clef came up with that and we just said okay yeah yeah, yeah that's right so but if you sorry we would, no you're fine uh blue peg pink peg has the peg heads and heavy cardboard has the uh the herd which is great so we want we want a name for our listeners. We want I mean this is communal and sometimes we're not so good at all these creative things. So I'm sure we have listeners who are better at that sort of creative thinking than we are. So what we're gonna ask is that you send us an email at punchboardparadise.com and we will put you on our Slack and then you are gonna appear on our Slack and give us a good a good vote for for uh, what what our listeners should be called. Sounds like like a, a peer on our Slack channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you will. <laughs> so yeah, if you're okay with it, you will appear on our Slack and you can give us a vote for uh, what you want to be called or what you think would be a good name for the Punchboard Paradise listeners. So what? How many of these mugs do we have to give away? Uh, we have three right now. So so maybe do we do like the, the our top three best entries or something? Then we give each one of them a mug, and then obviously then we put it up for a vote once we have those three. We could all that, pick one. So, How about that? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that. We could pick our favorite, and then- Well, each one of us will pick our favorite. They'll each get a mug, and then we'll put those up on the Slack channel and, and vote on it to see. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Let's do it all that right. way. All right. I like I that. I want something with Euro in the name, guys. All right. Can you give me <laughs> something Euro-y. Oh, my gosh. Dry theme, nothing going on. Uh, uh, Euro-y. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, or or if you're catering to Clef, just have brass in the title, I guess. Oh, that's a good call. All right, we better <laughs> get to we yeah, better get gonna, to an email. If, if are, if, yeah, if people are working on appealing to us. We're yeah. gonna have the Ian O'Toolers, the Chit Throwers, and the Brass Lovers. I think we just went down to four listeners. All right, <laughs> Richie, what do you got in the mailbag this week? 
Well, we got an email from Corey, and he is asking, Hey, Punch Warders, it seems like every board game nut has a particular game that they don't have and would love to have to fill out their collection. I was curious what each of your Grail games are. It's a pretty good question. Chad, you got a Grail game? I definitely do have a Grail game. And I, you know, I've had several different ones over the years. I mean, when I first got into the hobby, um, Pillars of the Earth was hard to find. And I knew that my wife really liked that series and I wanted to play it and heard interesting things about that. So Pillars of the Earth was probably one of my first. But then I got it and still really enjoy it to that day, this day. So I'm happy to have it. But I moved on and, and Glory to Rome, Black Box Edition was calling me. So I finally paid a little bit too much for that probably. But I'm happy to have it. It's, uh, it's a great art and a really good game. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, my grail game right now is... Ginkopolis. It is a 2012 game from Pearl Games by Xavier Georges. And it is a tile drafting or tile placement, sorry, card drafting kind of area control situation. And you're, it is an engine builder. Some of a couple of friends that I have say, this is what terraforming Mars wants to be. I don't know about that, but it is, it is a really satisfying engine builders. And I, I greatly enjoy it. I love the interaction on the board. It's got multi-use cards that you're using and you're trying to try to build stuff out with these cards. It is a great game and it really needs to be printed. They have bandied about online. Hey, you know, very coyly, would you guys like us to reprint this? And then nothing ever gets done with it. It's very, it's very frustrating. So I'd like to see that happen soon. I know a lot of people out there have copies, but I am kind of anxiously awaiting, awaiting my copy of Ginkopolis. Yeah, it's a good game. I've played it online because you can play it on Bataju and they have Pearl Games has been just trolling people. They keep putting out pictures. I have no clue why they just won't reprint it. And yeah, never been confirmed. It's kind of like they want to see this certain boiling point that the fan base sort of reaches until they until they they print it. But yeah, that's that's my grail game, Ginkopolis by Xavier Georges. About you, Clef? I had a very specific one that I had for quite a while uh, that recently I now have, which is Agizia. I really, really played that a couple times from a friend who had it at Gen Con and just always loved that game. And obviously it was one of those games that, oh, just a little bit too much. But uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Ryan Freshman from uh, Across the Board, he uh, he got it for me for my birthday, which was absolutely Very amazing. Nice. Yeah. And uh, his only request was that, uh, he, you know, he got to play it with me. And so that's which we did. And great game. And I'm very, very happy to have it. So that was that was probably the top on my list. Um, I would say right now, if I really had to pick a game that I am I'm would like to get, I think it would probably be uh, Strasbourg because I got to play that uh, a few weeks back and really thought that that was a solid game. And unfortunately, you know, I went looking for it and, you know, probably, you know, minimum of a hundred bucks or something out there. And right now that's, that's, that's a chunk of money. So I'm going to, I'm going to wait on it, but that's definitely, I think on my want list. I think that's probably the top of my list at this moment is, uh, yeah, Strasburg. What about you, Richie? What are, what are you looking forward to? So I don't, I don't have necessarily a grail game, but I definitely do have a grail expansion. And Chad was just talking about the base game not too long ago, and that's the Pillars of the Earth expansion. Ah, which, <laughs> I mean, it is. I think it's like a hundred plus bucks online, and I think that's for the German versions, which then you would have to do paste ups on, which I don't want to do. I 
when they got when they reprinted Pillars of the Earth, I was really hoping that they would reprint the expansion, and they just didn't do it. Yeah, I don't know why. I I, I saw that too, and I I think you know what you what you do is you do both at once, and everybody's going to snatch that up, you know, sight unseen, basically. That's the time to do it. Yeah, or fold it in like uh, like San Juan and uh, Puerto Rico when they re-released right. those games, they just yeah, fold them into the base yeah. game. And right. Have you gotten to play it before? No, I haven't. I know Ooh. Dan has it, right? Yeah, Dan yeah. has it. Yeah. Okay. I where's he tell, live? Where's uh, he live? His address uh, and well, I, his working hours. That's, uh, <laughs> well, he's a postman. Uh, <laughs> okay. So well, there you go, Corey. Uh, some Grail games from each one of us. So Ginkopolis. Me, Strasburg, and Richie, Pillars of the Earth expansion. I'll tell you what, what we should do for uh, after this episode is we'll post up, we'll we'll post up for our guild. Give us some of your Grail games because everybody, a lot of people at least have kind of a wish list of games, especially the ones that are hard to get a hold of and that they they really covet. So hop onto our guild at three two two seven on Board Game Geek. Leave us your Grail games. We'd love to hear about that. All right. Now it's time for our featured review of Blackout Hong Kong. Chad, take it away. It's dark. It's been hours since your cell phone ran out of charge. You've waited for your roommate about as long as you can, but now... I can't. I I can't do this. There's nothing here. Forget it. Okay. (laughs) Come on. That was so great. (laughs) Blackout West Virginia. I mean, Blackout Hong Kong is a one to four player strategy Euro game from Alexander Pfister and Edgar Spiel that plays in about 75 to 150 minutes. And players are taking control of certain groups around the city of Hong Kong through their deck of cards, each of which represents a person involved in helping the group to kind of help bring the power back on in Hong Kong. And players are vying for control over different districts in the city of Hong Kong during the blackout. Each round, colored dice are rolled as resources that may be available during that round. And then players are going to play up to three cards from their hand down to three separate stacks in front of them in order to plan how they're going to be used during that round. Now, some of these cards are going to display colors that match the dice that have been rolled with a number of cubes of that particular color shown on the card. And some of the cards are going to have specific roles on them, such as scout or leader or mechanic or doctor. And these will make these things can make them good at scouting districts or getting wild resources or converting certain resources or or healing injured group members that have been put in the hospital. Players will take turns in the deployment phase activating all those cards for the actions and then exchanging them for resources, etc. And then players will check to see if they have achieved any goals from the cards in their objective row that's, that are on their player board. And then they get to collect the reward for these goals and put their card that they have achieved the objective on into their hand for the next round to use. Some of the rewards that they can get are money or points or the very important placing a cube on a location on the main map that's around one of the districts. The next part of the round includes a an option for the players to scout. They can use any number of cards that are still kept in their hand that have scouting icons on them in addition to any scouting icons that they may have already acquired to attempt to scout in different districts, which involves turning over a stack of tiles in the district connected to one of their cubes and seeing if they have enough scout icons to 
to complete it for a reward or for end game points. Even if they're successful, one of the cards is randomly selected from their scout team and placed hospital side on their player board because, you know, they got injured while they were scouting. And this cannot be used unless it's released by that doctor card during the deployment phase, like what we just talked about. After scouting is completed, players will be able to buy new cards from the three card row with money. After the scouting is completed, players will be able to buy new cards from one of three card rows with money they've accumulated. These cards then get placed in their objective section of their player board again and do not go into the player's hand until the goals on the card are achieved, just as we talked about. Then there is a cleanup phase for certain wasted resources and players may see if they have secured a district out there on the board by having it surrounded by their particular cube color and then they can earn points doing this. Now, everyone with a cube that is in that district that is surrounding it has a chance to score, but the player who has scored it completely, meaning have their cubes completely surrounding it, gets to place a secured district marker in the middle, opening up one of their checkmark actions on their player board. Lastly, players can refresh their hand, and when they refresh their hand, this means that they may pick up any one of the stacks of cards that they've played down that has the most in it. So the pile that has the most in it, they can put it back into their hand, but they can only do this if their hand has four or fewer cards in it. Then if they do this and are able to do this during the refresh phase, they may also get to carry out any checkmark bonus actions that they have unlocked by either certain cards they've been able to move over with a checkmark action or by securing a district and unlocking a checkmark action. Then the player marker is going to pass to the left and a new round begins and the game ends after a certain number of objective cards from the card rows have been exhausted and players score points for converting resources to money and then money to points and then score for set collection of the various scouting tiles and the points on the cards that are either in their hand or in their played stacks. The most points wins the game. That was a kind of an in-depth ex explanation. Well, let's get on to uh, this art, the art and components uh, of this game from Alexander Pfister and uh, Eggert Spiel. Now, I know Chris Williams did the art on this one. I'm going to start off with art and components. All right, give it to us. There is no art and there's hardly any components. <laughs> That's baloney. <laughs> hey, but it's okay. Because it's a blackout? Because it's a blackout. Exactly. Right. Let's hear what Richie has to yeah, say. Yeah, Richie's got <laughs> stuff to say about this. Well, yeah, I'm going to preface, I mean, this whole review, I have to say this. It, it's all about, there were high expectations when I saw Alexander Pfister and uh, Eggert Spiel, now owned by Plan B Games at the time. When I saw those two names together, I was very excited. Because just, how, just like Chad has an unhealthy love for Ian O'Toole, I have an unhealthy love for Alexander Pfister. So art and components. The the box cover is fantastic. Yeah. And then you open it, and the board kind of looks like a prototype, slightly. Because one, it doesn't even have city or town names on it. It's just A, B, C. You know, it's not it's not bad. Like the actual quality of everything is fine, but it's just not what you expect when you think of Plan B games. Right. I I I understand that the the that's probably the biggest for me the biggest sin shall we say in this game is the is the board it just doesn't quite work either from a 
from a functional playing perspective or from an art style. It doesn't look inviting, unfortunately, and it doesn't it doesn't help you play the game very well, I don't think. Now, is this unforgivable for them doing this? Like a certain game you said this about an no, episode ago? No, I don't think so, because it, it, it's more that it's uninteresting rather than hindering gameplay, at least for me. That's that's my opinion of it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's unfair because if this was if this had Robin's Burger slapped on it and a public or in a uh, designer that I didn't know like that, this would be light. This is light years above Carpe Diem as far as production value. Yes, and even art because you can see honestly, I feel like you can really? see that there was a style here at least whoa, that they went after. I don't. Whoa, you got to be kidding me! Are we really going to go back to Carpe Diem again? Well, I'm just. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to beat a dead horse here, but. I don't think that this, I mean, you look at those cards. I mean, they're like computer generated looking dudes no, on there. No, I I actually, what is, oh, I was going to say is I actually like the card art because you can see it and there's shadows. There's a very stylized kind of shadowy picture to it. And I, I actually like the card art, but the board is really just uninviting from a, from a graphical perspective. I feel like I, I don't like the card art because of, a completely different reason. It, it has to do with a the theme, and I don't know when we're going to get into that, but we'll get into it. <laughs> we'll that. get into it. But it's it's definitely in the style of like an old like Nintendo like startup screen where you're selecting your characters type art. It's not it's not great, but it is still. I mean, overall production of this game is light years above Carpe Diem. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, just just for the the box alone. I mean, <laughs> now I think where I would have expect it like the the backside of brass birmingham where they have that the dark side like that's what i would kind of want to see as far as art from plan b right that's what i was hoping for right so it's not totally black it's like it's like the shadowy city where right. the lights have been turned out but you can still see stuff now i can understand if you were worried about picking up on certain certain graphics and distracting from what you have to do on the board. But I still think there's not a lot except for those colored spots. So you really don't need to worry too much. And I feel like there could have been some detail. And just like you talked about, some shadowing to the board that I, I would have liked to see. Now, I, I can see, like I said, I can see the the design that he's doing with the board and the design that he's done with the cards. There is a consistent element. There's this, you know, sort of Eastern art vibe to it with the certain color choices the orange and the black and the the zodiac signs on the card and stuff you can see what what he's going for with the design i just it, it ultimately the board especially failed for me so it's functional as far as the the way that it's out there like you can play the game um the only thing that i really don't like as far as you know functionality wise is that like the resource the resource space. wheel right right yeah. When you're putting your your cubes up there, and Clef was doing this all the time, he he would accidentally bump stuff over, and like all of a sudden he has ten batteries, and it's it's so easy to mess up there, and especially since you have to put the dice up there as well. So when you roll the dice, as I talked about in the rules overview, you are trying to show which with your colored cubes which resources you've gotten so it's all out there in a big wheel and again it can get kind of bumped with the dice and everything else like you're talking about yeah it's for one thing i'll say it's a table hog because not only do you have the big board but then the player boards are gigantic and you need to put cards below it you need to put cards to the left of it and you need to put cards to the right of it so it is a table hog just 
Just know that going into the game. One thing I will say, though, that player board, once you kind of know what you're doing, that player board does a really great job of directing you as to what each action is. I think that that's a nice thing. Absolutely. About I'm not saying that that's not a functional thing. It's just I'm just coming. It's a player hog uh, for ag- sure. Agreed. One hundred percent. As far as the rule book, because I was the one who kind of learned it and taught it. The one thing it is i would say for the most part it's it's a good rule book it's laid out much the same as you'd expect i feel like it's very sort of great western trail in that respect and how it uses the the layout of the text and the examples that it gives it's pretty straightforward and actually i think in some ways it's a little bit less busy than mombasa and and great western trail and so it looks a little bit cleaner and slightly easier to read from that perspective so the, the rule book, it's not too bad. Now, the one thing, and this might get into gameplay, and maybe we'll get into it with gameplay a little bit more, but the scouting that I talked about in the rules overview was kind of wonky and trying to suss out what that meant. And we went on Board Game Geek to kind of just check and make sure we were playing it right. And there were a lot of FAQs about the scouting, I felt like. So that was one thing we were, we played this game a little bit earlier than some in the, in the, in the US. And so I noticed that that was something that, took a while to kind of figure out for sure i'm still not even positive we're playing it correctly i mean we kind of made a you know okay this is what our best thought is and so we kind of went with it i'm pretty sure we got right fister Mm -hmm. is pretty active in the forums and he did explain that that post that i found that was directly from alexander fister okay explaining that scouting so okay so we are doing it right all right excellent well i think that transition uh, transitions us nicely to the gameplay and the strategy what did you think of the gameplay in this game clef as Richie kind of alluded to earlier, Alexander Fister is, you know, a, for me, one of my top designers for sure. He designs my favorite game of all time in Great Western Trail. And obviously he designed Mombasa, which is definitely in my top 20. So that right away makes me go, oh my goodness, I'm salivating to play this game. So the first time we played it, we played it as a four player game. And the, you know, it was the strategies in this game or the planning, I guess I should say, was, was a lot. And I, I'll i flat out admit, it was a little overwhelming for me just for the first time of playing it. And so I got done with that first play and was like, boy, I weigh the gameplay strategy just too much for me. I just don't know if this is going to be a game that is going to that I'm going to like. Now that partly could be you put something too much on a pedestal and then you all of a sudden you play it and it goes down to what it, you know, it's, it's never going to reach those expectations. But I will say, thankfully, Chad said, nope, let's try this again. And now my seven plays later or eight plays later, I think the gameplay is fantastic. I really think there is a lot of planning strategy that you have to do in this game to make, and, and it's, you know, it's a, decent little engine building game where you're having to pick up better cards as you go along, but you really have to plan out, okay, I need this resource and this resource. Um, you know, so then I'm using the the transportation tokens and all the different things. There's a lot going on in this game, but it is definitely a little bit heavier than I'd even say in ways, I don't know about heavier, but if you mess up in planning, forget about it. You're done. I mean, if you make like one couple of wrong moves, you can be done in this game. Yeah, you you can clog up your your card objective row if you mess up and didn't plan ahead. That's really the thing about this game is you're planning ahead. And something I didn't get into when I talked about achieve of achieving certain objectives is that 
in your in your card row, you can also open up a fourth spot to have a stack, just like in Mombasa, essentially. You can up, open up that fourth spot to have a stack, which can be time-consuming and costly because it costs money to open it up, uh, quite a bit of money, and it costs having four certain colors of cards in a stack. And when you have to keep picking up stacks and you are only allowed to pick up the stack with the most cards in it, that is very hard to do. And sometimes you're hamstringing yourself to try to leave cards there so you can get that objective and you may have less of a hand for the next round when you do that. So yes, long-term planning is really the key of this game. But to be honest with you, I I feel like the planning is the heavy part, but the actual game mechanisms are sort of a kind of recipe fulfillment type thing where it doesn't and and an area control type thing where it doesn't really feel the the sum of its parts maybe make it feel heavier because that planning that is involved but the actual mechanisms are 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 actually kind of lighter than some of the other concepts for his games right right And, and i'll agree with that i i that's where i'm saying definitely the gameplay comes in the planning in this game yeah and i mean definitely our first play was rough and i i don't I know for me, it was partly I kept stopping Chad while he was trying to teach the game because the, the theme just was so wonky to me. <laughs> and I'll, I'll go on my rant about the theme at, during maybe my final thoughts. But <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <can't wait. laughs> but what I love about this game now, after playing it several times, is that there are multiple paths to victory. And the last time that we played, we were all within a few points of each other and we all did something completely different. And that was even with Clef made one critical error and he was still able to recover and at least be in the game. Let's talk about that for a second because I, I know my strategy, I, I ended up winning, but you guys were locking down districts left and right. And th- and let's just say, I mean, Clef just laughed at me because he's like, oh, Jad wants to talk about winning. But I, I have to because I, I don't win as much as these two guys. So that's that's a better deal. But <laughs> but anyway, um. I ended up going for buying a lot of cards because there are points on the cards, again, like I said, in endgame scoring that you're going to get as long as you unlock them from your objective row. So I got quite a bit of points on the last turn adding those up. But Clef, what, what strategy did you go for? Well, and to, just to piggyback on that, I think it was surprising because I think Richie and I were like thinking one of us was going to win and we were kind of counting each other's points. Yep. And it was really And then all of a sudden Chad's like, oh, uh, yeah, I got 40 points in my cards. And it was like, oh, crap, Chad just won. So there is that surprise factor of it mm-hmm. so which is you know is nice i mean there's uh, i like games like that where there you you don't know for sure who's going to win i think my strategy was hope and pray that i you know did something right and didn't know um <laughs> you know i think i did you know i did more of the securing of of the districts which are going to get you big points and i think i had some big point ones out there um and then i also went for I don't know what you'd call them—the little clipboard uh, recipe film film things that give you the check marks. So then, when you get the check marks on the side every time you refresh, you know it's like kind of like, oh, I get a I get a gas can, I get a uh, med kit, and now I can turn these two things into points, and I can turn this into points, and now I'm scoring you know eight, ten points a turn every time I refresh. So I kind of went after those points, and then Richie, you were doing. So I was going after smaller districts to get my check marks cleared off. And then the first one that I went after, I did not unlock the fourth slot. Instead, I unlocked the where you can refresh your hand from with zero to six cards. So that I was refreshing my hand almost every turn. So that way I could activate the different check marks. And then I had one of the cards was giving me like four points every time I played it down. So that's what I was kind of trying to get going in that game. 
Do you think that there's a doctor strategy in the game? I think that the doctor, my feeling is the doctor's there to supplement strategy so that if you, if it's almost like a, a consolation prize. So we didn't talk much about scouting, but we did say players, you know, you can use those scout things on the cards and then face down somebody else draws one person out of your hand to get to go to the hospital. And sometimes uh, the game we played before the, our last game, I had a seven point card go to the hospital in the last round. That was seven big points that I could have had for my end game points. And that that was rough because I just kind of wanted to take a chance and try to scout and get an extra set collection point yeah. from the, the tiles. And so and so and, and that's a good space to talk about it. But it, what I was going to say is that I think the doctor sort of makes up for that unless it happens in the last round where you can pull that person out of the hospital and then in my case get seven points for it. Now, it happened in the last round for me so I can recoup those points. But and I got to say that is one thing I don't know how to fix it necessarily or if it even needs to be in the game. But I, I just don't like that random draw where I mean, you could like you said. You lost at seven points, that lost you the game. You had no chance then at that point. And if you have one of your big cards in there and you're just done and it's just random. And the game that game that we played, every time I pulled a card from your guys' hand, you guys got your worst card pulled or whatever, you know, so it was like you're like, oh, good, that's the one I wanted you to pull. And you pulled one of my good guys. So then I lost, you know, not even, I don't even remember what the victory points were, but it was one of the cards that, you know, was, was good for me. So that is a little weird. I mean, how it is a very strategically kind of planny type of game. And yet there is a little bit of that randomness. Now you obviously don't have to go scout and you can try to scout for fewer things and don't have to use maybe your good cards. And I'm sure that will be the argument from Mr. Fister if he ever, you know, Talk to me ever. Um. <laughs> no, he's not talking to me. <laughs> well, I think, and again, we've had, I think all of us have had around five, seven plays, but the mitigation there is, like you said, maybe don't use those cards if you can help it, but it's kind of a push your luck thing that you get to do. And I, I guess, because there are, and we'll get to this next, I know Richie wants to talk about it, but there are a lot of elements that are in his other games. And I kind of think of the scouting element as the drawing cows from your hand in your deck element where you have you have uh, oh sorry you drew three ones so now you have three one cows unfortunately the randomness kind of messes with you there it doesn't feel like as much of a deal as this can be but i think that's kind of the kind of what i equate that with i mean but you're still gonna get the points for those cows and you can still i mean there are buildings along the way like you may not like if you, that happens to you right before you're about to go to kansas city you may not have a great trip at kansas city right but you're not losing out on those points in end game. You know yeah, what I'm saying? And you're able to, I mean, like whatever hand I have in Great Western Trail, I can plan what I'm going to do with that hand. Now, if I lose a good person in in blackout, I don't have another plan to then have, you know, my only thing is to go get them back with the doctor. But like I said, uh, you know, rounding back to the doctor, I think I've only used the doctor maybe, you know, I use it maybe once per t game and then it just kind of sits in my hand or sits out in a row, you know, and doesn't do a lot. And so I, I've just, that's the only, that's the part of the game that I'm just, eh, I wish there was something a little different there. It is definitely a push your luck thing because you're, you are trying to hope that the card that you're using doesn't get pulled unless you, I feel like, unless you have a lot of those permanent GPS tokens or permanent certificates as in Great Western Trail, basically, you you get to kind of keep those and, and, and use them in that way. But 
I do. I agree with you that that's the one thing that I'm not sold on in this game is that there's that pusher luck thing, and and it's been hard to be heavy heavy scout in this game for us with the plays that we've had at least. And I mean, I definitely in that last one because one of the one of the objectives I completed was one that gave me a plus one to all of my uh, temporary uh, GPS markers. So I mean, I guess maybe that's how you would have to avoid that. But I just wish that there was like when you went there, you knew who you were going to lose. So you can have a little bit more planning in that sense. I can understand that. So let's we we didn't really talk about this in our, our last couple of reviews, but let's talk about the experience after you guys. Well, I mean, we can kind of talk about the continuum of experience because you ju- you just said that when you first played, it wasn't very fun. And in some of the reviews I've heard of this already, people kind of played one or two and then we're done with it. One or two games, and then we're done with it. If you guys had played one or two games, how would you feel about this? Well, I'd tell you right now, I'd be given a lot different review right now. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that right up front, because my experience with it for the first game was was very, very bleh. I mean, and you can quote me on that that word right there, bleh. <laughs> um, I don't think but, that fits on the box stock, so. <laughs> <laughs> But my experience with it, and my level of fun with it as I have continued to play it has grown and grown. And, uh, you know, I showed this to one of my other people that I play with a lot, my uh, a friend of mine, Brian, and he right away just loved the game. He was like, this, I love this game. Um, and so we've played it like three or four times, just me and him, two player. And I have I've really found I I'll say one thing. and I know we haven't gotten into player count and that's a little bit down the road, but. I didn't find a lot of difference in a two to three or four player game in this because there's really not, you don't have a lot of player interaction in the game besides hooking up to the different, uh, the districts or whatever, you know, trying to gain points there or the card rows, you know, I mean, you could lose that on cards or whatever, but otherwise the, the actual gameplay planning wise, you're kind of doing your own thing. And I then also played with, with my wife and I showed her this game. And if you remember, you know, she, did not like Carpe Diem because of the fact that, you know, you could foil the plans of somebody by taking tiles away from them, where she liked Forum Trajanum a lot better because there wasn't any interaction. She was just able to do her own thing. Okay, Chad, don't don't hop on a mic. Just my opinion, there's not a lot of interaction. And so she was able to do her own thing. So I So I showed her this game, and she quite liked it also. She really thought it was a lot of fun, and once again, she said, I like the fact that I am able to do my own thing and no one is there to screw it up or mess with me or take a tile that I need. You know, you might have an opportunity where you might have a card out there that maybe you want and somebody gets it before you, but you know, not a big deal. You know, the cards aren't different enough that, you know, and then they're, yeah, they're not different enough. They're, they're most of them are pretty much all the same type of things anyways. So uh, she thoroughly enjoyed it, and, and was uh, I, th- I think she's ready to play another game of it, which I was, I was happy to hear. Nice. Well, most that, that's a good point, because most of the time, when you're cursing somebody in this game, you're cursing yourself. Because yeah. you're right. mad yeah. that you messed up a plan that oh, you yeah. thought about a couple rounds ago and was like, okay, I'm saving this card, and I'm going to play it here. It's going to be in my card row. It's going to help me achieve my objective, because it's my fourth purple card in this row. I've saved the money. Oh, wait, I didn't save the money. I spent that money. I'm so mad right now. Real quick, uh, for uh, with with uh, Missy and I were playing the game, and it was near the end of the game, and I realized that I picked the wrong 
person to put on my objective board. It was a double red guy. And the other double red guy was still out there on the board. And I was like, God, I, I, I meant to take him. And I said to my wife and she looked at me and she went, well, I guess you should have planned better, huh? <laughs> I said, I guess you're not letting me take that back. Nope. That's right. <laughs> well, Richie, talk about your experience, too, because I think, like I said, you had high expectations for this game, too, and I, I felt like I kind of had to talk you into playing another couple games of this almost. You did. And, I mean, the the interaction is not what I expect, like, in a Alexander Fister game. He has a, a lot of direct conflict in his games, which I enjoy. Uh, so in, in this, you really, the only conflict or interaction that you really have is when you're buying the cards. Someone may buy a card before you, but at the same time, if they buy a card, now the other cards out there are cheaper. Like yeah. all the interaction is kind of friendly, uh-huh. which I'm not a, a big fan of. It's it's fine, but it's just not what I prefer. <laughs> right. Like in the districts too, you're, you're still somebody else you're thinking okay do i want to score this right now and let these other people around have some points with me or is it more important for me to kind of block them out and move on to something else and then try to get more check marks off my board in a different place or something like that? right yep and the card play i think is great i think that stood out at you know even from that first play i enjoyed that to start with that card play that is very reminiscent of mombasa is is fantastic the strategies in there are definitely opaque and you definitely need to play it more than once to to see that and to see what you can do in this game which is i, I think that is a strength but also it definitely hinders it for you know someone who just plays it once now you just said i'm so i'm curious so the districts where you're trying to put the cubes out and different things like that do you when you're putting out your cubes look at what other people are doing and try to hook up to them Yes, I can see if something's about to be scored and maybe I will move in a different direction if I can with my cards because I want to hop in and get ultimate points if I can. Maybe this is why I do not win the game because I have paid zero attention to what anybody else is doing. My mind is totally, I am trying to lock this district down to score those points and get my building out. Richie, have you looked, tried to pay attention to that? I do try to get, I either try to avoid people so that they can't score points off of me or get a couple cubes in if I know they're going to secure that district. Yeah, you can kind of see when something's going like it's got one spot left and maybe you look over at that player's objectives and see that that color right. is about to be finished. And so okay. I'll kind of look and go, oh, maybe this turn I should get in on that scoring because I already have a cube or two over okay. there and this will give me some more points. But it's definitely not any, inter- there's no interaction in it's, it. It's, it's not like an area control like it's you're trying more, to fight for it. Or well, something. it's more like a positive interaction, as as somebody like Jamie Stegmeyer might say. You know, do I want to give this person more points, or do I want to hop in on these points? You know, so yeah, I, it's very minimal. I will say that. Yes, yeah. very, very, very minimal. You're definitely playing your own game. Yeah, yes. it, it is like it is a game of of planning, and that is to me what is satisfying is when you have planned and you pull off sort of a combo, one of those turns where you have like maybe two or three objectives that you pulled off in one round where you say okay i'm gonna fulfill this card this lets me place a district cube down here and then i've put something in a district so i've linked these guys together and that fulfills this objective and then i got this resource which gives me some coins and so then i can pay for this objective and when you've had those kind of turns that's what makes this game kind of satisfying you get to sit back and go i did that that's that's cool how about variability and replayability richie you talked about you know that this is a game that you just kind of need to play a couple plays of, at least in your opinion, to understand what's going on and see where the where the fun in the gameplay is. I had variability. 
I mean, like we said, a lot of the cards are kind of the same, and you're going to go through pretty much that most of that deck pretty quickly. There's only the cards that get removed that may come into play, but I mean, after a couple of plays, you're going to see all those cards over and over again. So variability, I think it's 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 fine. It's kind of middle of the road for me. Replayability, like I said, I think this is a game that the more you play it, more strategies open up to you, and there's a little bit more there. Uh, so I would say the uh, replayability is a little bit higher than the actual variability in the game. And now, Clef, I want to ask you, because you're the only one of us that played this, and this is getting into player count, but you're the only one of us that played this at two players. So that takes a huge chunk or a much bigger chunk of cards out of the game because the timer for the game is how many cards you go through and you go through less than the two player. Did you see missing some of those cards sometimes when you were playing? Like, for instance, the politician who, once you lay him out, lets you place those colored cubes around a district or some of those things? Not really, because there's, you know... Most, like we said, I mean, the cards are all very similar anyways. So yeah, there is a couple of different ones. Maybe I didn't see, but no, I didn't really feel like, you know, or notice that I missed it. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to exactly what Richie just said. Variability, meh, there's not a lot in here. I mean, yeah, the other, you know, you have a double yellow dude and a double yellow dude. One takes three rice and a book to get. The other one takes two gas cans and a med kit to get, you know, so they're not, different in that line just kind of the recipes are different sometimes to get them or the clipboards are you know they're they're all very similar the scouting things are all you know the, what you have in this game there's not a lot of variability but replayability whoo this is one of those games i feel like i could still play another 10 times and still probably go god i suck at this game you know it's not like a game that i I just feel like, oh, now that I've played it eight times, oh, I've got it. You know, let's, I'm going to beat you easily or whatever. I still am making mistakes. Like I just talked about, I still picked the wrong red dude. You know, I'm like, oh, I thought I could do that one, but I couldn't. I needed that one. And so there's still a lot of replayability in this game for me. You know, which we've talked about. Some games don't need variability to make them replayable. Well, how about player count? One thing I didn't say is that there is a there's a campaign mode in this game where you can play and it basically is kind of certain restrictions like you got to have these districts locked down or move from here to here with your cubes kind of thing or the and and they're they're kind of just I felt like they're not so much a story as in a campaign. Now they did write down a very a very uh hackneyed story i felt like a lot of deep theme in it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but but i i think it's just challenges it's just different challenges and ways to play the game like okay now try this time try for this challenge you know in in some ways kind of like how uh he did oh my goods right he had sort of a story expansion to that but it just kind of yeah kind of it kind of yeah. was different ways to to play <laughs> right. the game but you can play it you can play it solo with those sort of challenges built in or you can kind of play it in in a in a campaign mode with others too and i, I don't I, you know e even with that being said i mean remember when you did a sort of a campaign legacy version of nations where you guys would kind of play and then you know do different do different challenges or kind of sure you know yeah. so i i think it's no different than something like that really I, I mean i would look at it um you know obviously with our schedule of having to play different games and stuff for, for the podcast i don't know if i have you know, it's almost like a legacy game. I don't have to necessarily know that I'm going to have time enough to play something like that. And, you know, and I, quite honestly, I apologize that none of us did get to that, to, to talk about that. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it'd be, I'd, I'd give it a shot to see what it's like, but most, I bet you for me, I'm probably just going to enjoy 
just playing the base game more than trying to mess around with that challenge thing. Yeah, like like I've said in the past, with legacy or campaign games, the only reason I would do that is for the story, and the story in this is just not there. Richie, there's there's a blackout. I mean, you <laughs> yes. know how fast water expires? I mean, bottled water. Yeah, bottled water. <laughs> bottled water. In a day on in this game. Yeah. <laughs> So I will say that was one of the things that really irritated Richie is that why why do you have to turn in bottled water after why does it go bad why I mean maybe rice but and why are you getting money for your rice who's paying for bad rice so I had to kind of talk talk Richie down or I was worried he was going to throw some some tokens at me so uh, yeah that that does happen I mean. There is some theme to this game in that what the cards do, you could kind of make a little bit of a story about, you know, your politician card that you have out secure helps you secure certain districts and your hosp- your doctor gets pe- players cards out of the hospital and that sort of thing. You can make a little bit of a story. My bigger problem is why Hong Kong? Like what, what a, I mean, with the exception of the art style kind of trying to draw on those on those uh, Eastern themes, you know, I don't understand why. Why Hong Kong? Yeah, and, and there's no, like we said, there's no no city names on the map. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, this could literally be anywhere. All right, we're getting to a theme. All right, so Chad, <laughs> when he was teaching this game, at first I was so excited for this theme. Just looking at the cover, it's different, especially for Euro games. So excited for this theme. And when he starts explaining, it's like, okay, your leader starts off in the infirmary and this other person's injured. So I'm looking at my leader, head to toe military tactical gear. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is like post-apocalyptic and that's why, you know, and the blackout or whatever. Then he keeps explaining the game and I'm and while he's explaining the game, I'm looking at the cards and there's two people, two people in freshly pressed suits. They're not weathered. They are happy. There's a guy cooking. He hasn't missed a meal. Like we only have rice in this game. <laughs> he looks well fed. He is well fed. He's he has not missed a meal. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I don't understand the theme. But it's just day one of the blackout, right? <laughs> and then I, I said, all right, I gotta give me the rule book because I gotta see what this says. So I'm gonna read the the uh, second page of the rule book, and it says, <laughs> shortly after midnight on that fateful day in autumn 2020, the light. So this is not even far into the future. The lights in Hong Kong went out. Initially, only a few supervisors and security officers at the power stations around Hong Kong worried. They didn't have a clue what had happened to to their power plants. Everything seemed normal, but they could not restart the generators. So it's the middle of the night. Only a few people are going to know this that the power is out at all, right? Then here's the last paragraph and the only the, re- the rest of the theme you gotta fill in for yourself, which makes no sense. As the next morning dawned and people tried to begin their days only to find nothing worked, chaos descended on Hong Kong. Now we've all been in a blackout before and chaos does not descend in like five hours. It just doesn't. <laughs> 2003 Northeast blackout that was like Ohio up to Canada. Right. That was like 50 million people. Yeah. No, no chaos. You you weren't out scouting for rice and and water. (laughs) Your doctor can go. Why? Every time we go scouting, someone gets injured. What's happening out there? Uh, Well, I could could tell you. So I I was in that blackout and I had to walk in the subway tunnels. There were some really big rats there. I'm not kidding. There were some big rats. Because, I mean, the train stopped in the middle of the subway tunnels. You have to walk. I mean, somebody could have gotten kneecapped by a rat. So that might have been the thing. And why are we all banding like just random people are banding together. Like there's been no, there's no nuclear disaster that now the water, the bottled water is contaminated or anything like that. This is not, this is like six hours in and batteries are now the top currency. That makes <laughs> no true. sense. 
and you're, it, par- you're part of the like iguana zodiac <laughs> and it just makes absolutely no sense in it it really and it still bothers me today if you couldn't tell if they would have just wrote five years later just that sentence alone okay if there's five years without power even a Months later, if it's six months down the road and no power in the city, I mean, your food is still cold in the refrigerator. Just don't. Everyone knows. Don't open the freezer. Don't open the fridge when the power goes out. Your food is still good. I don't know why we're throwing out the rice every day. Oh, man. I got no this, sense. this great idea for survival tips with Richie as a, <laughs> as part of, yeah, that's right, as a new segment. All right. Well, on that high note, let's move to our final score. Richie, if you can calm down long enough, can you give him the I will Punchboard try. Paradise rating? Oh, and your scale. doctor won't go outside. <laughs> no, he won't. He's so lazy. But if you lose your doctor, I wouldn't let my doctor go outside. If you lose your doctor, then who's going to pull people out of the hospital? I, it makes no sense. <laughs> Oh boy. I think he's more upset about that than when you took Alexander Fister in the draft. I am actually. All right. So on Punchboard Paradise, we rate on a six point scale a one being a terrible game uh, that makes you miserable and your doctor won't go outside. And then a six being a game that could possibly be in your top ten of all time. Let's start with Chad. I wanna I wanna hear his thoughts first. Well, I taught myself this game by playing a few rounds, basically. And then so I could teach y'all the game and i saw what the cards were doing and that's really to me the crux of the game that card mechanism and picking up the piles and that planning ahead and that's where the satisfying combos are in this game and they are to be had so once i once i played through i could see what was what was fun about it i did have some problems with the with the graphic design and again i could see that there was a certain look that he was going for um but it just didn't work out on the board for me however like I said, the gameplay is still very interesting. I think that as you play this more, it moves faster, which to me is a big deal. You kind of want it to in this game, especially because there is a lot of solitary planning that happens. And so if people are taking too long on their turns, that makes this game drag. But I'm going to, I'm going to, this straddles the line between a four and a five for me. Ultimately, ultimately I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a five. It is, it is a good game. I think it, it's still look ultimately I think it's still Alexander Fister. You can see his fingerprints on it. It may not be as beloved as Great Western Trail or certainly Mombasa for for me, but there is still a game there that I want to delve into, explore and play. And so not every game can be a Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band album. They can't all be that. This one is still to me a very good game. I give it a 5. Okay. All right. Cliff? Well, I like this game. I do. I think it's a great puzzle. I wish, obviously, that there was some more interaction. You know, I wish there was something more to race for out on the board where, you know, if you did certain things out there or something, I, I don't know. I wish there was some more interaction. I will say that. But I, I like this game, and I've enjoyed my plays of it. I am still looking. I There was a point when, I, when we first started playing it where it was almost like, a, all right, I'll play it, and then I would enjoy it when I played it. I am now at the point of, like, I'm enjoying this game. However, I don't know if I want to enjoy this game at four-player because I don't feel like I'm really getting a lot more out of more players besides just longer time. So it's definitely going to be a game that I'm going to like to keep at the two- to three-player. So we were talking about this earlier today about the punch board rating system and, you know, and saying a five is a game that would end up in your top ten. So this game some years could end up in my top ten. 
some year for the year, excuse me, I apologize for the year. This could end up in my top 10. Some years. Yeah, I don't know. It could be on the outline. So if I really have to say what rating am I going to give this to let people know, you know, really what my feelings are, I'm going to have to go a four. It could be a five some years, but I'm going to say overall, this game is a four for me. And obviously I'm not rich. I don't care about the rice spoiling in the water going bad or whatever. That doesn't make any difference to me. And you know, the board not being the prettiest or whatever doesn't make that big a difference to me. Gameplay wise, it's solid. It's really good. It has some great mechanism. I just wish there was just a little bit more. And who knows, maybe an expansion down the road or something maybe could move this game into a five for me. But I'm going to give it a four. Richie, take it away. I mean, the, the first play definitely set this back. And I would say, would you would you say after the first play it was a two for you? Yes, after the first play it was yeah. a two. But, I mean, Fister, he's good, and his designs are good. Oh, man, this thing really bugs me. I mean, you got to think, this is isolated to Hong Kong, so the other countries are fine, apparently. Why wouldn't they send aid? I, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, They're, we airdropped you some rice, but it went bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's gas generators. There's so many things that are so wrong with this, this theme. So, yeah, um, back to the game. <laughs> it is it is a really good game. The like I said, with at the beginning of this uh, review, my expectations were really high, and this kept getting compared to Mombasa, which is in my top 10. And I don't know if I would ever pull this out over Mombasa. I like the interaction better in Mombasa. The friendly interaction in this is fine, but it is very much a solitaire game where you are planning and, and so on and so forth, as we have said. I think it's a three for me. At first, I thought I was going to give it a four, but I think... When I'm comparing it to his other games, it's kind of just middle of the road. And I don't necessarily need to own it. I don't own it yet. I may eventually buy it because I buy all of his games. I mean, I have Broom Service, the card game. I have this little German card game called Greed that you pull cards out of people's hands. It's terrible. <laughs> so I may end up buying this, but I, I don't know how often I would play it. I would His, his other games are so good. It's just it's hard to justify. If we're going to get out of Fister, why would I pull out this over... Mombasa or Great Western Trail, even Isle of Sky. I would play Isle of Sky, especially with the expansions before this. So I think it's got to be a three for me. All right. Well, if you were paying attention, the final scores for the review, Chad with a five, Clef with a four, and Richie with a three. So lastly, punch borders and punch boardettes. I don't know. I, I got <laughs> Let a, them decide. Yeah, right? yeah, we're we're we really need help with this. I do. I do need help. I apologize. <laughs> lastly, we're going to head on over to BGG and look at the top 100. You may remember a couple of episodes ago, we started at 100 and counted down to 91. So we're going to do the next chunk here, 90 to 81. We're going to continue... What we did last time, where we're just going to go through each game and say if we've played it and kind of our thoughts on it. And at the end, then we'll talk about what game we would say is the best out of the out of the 10 that we do. So we'll start off here with Star Realms. Chad? That's a little deck two-player deck builder game. I know that I probably am most fond of this out of all of you. It's, it's very light. I don't have Hero Realms, which again, uses the same system and a lot of people feel it's better. I, I haven't played that, but my son really likes deck builders and this is one that we'll play. So that's Star Realms from White Wizard Games? Yes. 
I believe so. Yeah, I actually like this one a lot, and uh, Jessica is a big fan of this one. And even though I think the thing that people liked about Hero Realms was those character packs, that is now in Star Realms. I mean, it's pretty much which theme do you like better. Uh, but yeah, it's a solid little deck builder for, well, you can technically play it at four, but it's really a two-player game. And it's a fantastic app. Yeah. I mean, I've played it. Um, I agree. I got the Hero Realms and, and thought the Hero Packs were a little bit more fun, um, but enjoyed it. A uh, little fact, the developers, the, the was it White, what are they called? White, White Wizard Games. Uh, which is Darwin Castle and Rob Doherty. Uh, they were uh, Magic players back in the day when I used to play Magic, and I've actually played in a pro tour against Darwin Castle. So I've known those guys, well, I mean, they don't know who the heck I am, but you know, I've known of them for a long time. So yeah, it's kind of a fun thing. All right, next one on the list is Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Richie? It's a solid game. In this one, uh, the part I love most, and I know gives some people AP, is setting the prices every round as the castle builder or master builder, whatever it's called. Solid game. I think I prefer Suburbia to this, but I do, like I said, I like that master builder where you get to set the prices every round. And there's some good, good strategy there. I actually, you'll be shocked. I actually like this one because of the theme. I feel like I can teach this to newer gamers that I sometimes play with. And the great thing about this game to me is I, I do like the auction personally, but for everybody around the table that I teach this to, even if you didn't win the game, even if you're way behind, you can say, look at this, look at this great castle I built. And look, you know, you can tell a story about that. And I know that's not what everybody right here in front of me is into, but that's a great thing about this game and, and has gotten some friends of mine into more gaming. They just enjoy the, the thing that they've made and the story that they can create around it. I have the one play that I've played with you guys and it was fine. I mean, I didn't dislike it, but it certainly wasn't a game that made me go and say, Ooh, I want that game or I want to play it again. So it was just, it was an okay game. And that's from Ted Allspock and Bezier games. All right. The next one we have is legendary encounter an alien deck building game. I'll start with this one. Nope. Haven't played it. Probably never will. Richie, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be the only person I would think maybe has. And I almost, I almost bought it because I, I love the the movie series, uh, even the the, the latest ones, uh, Covenant and Prometheus, which a lot of people don't like. But the reason I did not buy this was when I saw an unboxing of it, all the cards in there and sorting them out. It just did not appeal to me to try that. <laughs> so I didn't I did not buy it for that reason. But I have heard good things about it. If you like deck builders and if you like the movies, Chad, have you have you seen have you played this one? I have not. I've heard some good things about it just because it's, it's thematic you know so you're you're it, it feels like you're hunting these aliens and there's decks for each movie and that sort of thing i've played the system i've played the marvel game and ultimately you know I, I got that for finn and he didn't really care about playing it so we we ended up selling it but i it's a it's a co-op game so you know if you don't like like you clef if you don't like co-op games it's, it's not going to be up your up your alley but I, I, it's not one that I'm itching to try, but I'd certainly play it if somebody brought it out to the table. I think this might be the first one, though, that none of the three of us have played. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Well, that is Legendary Encounters, an alien deck building game from Upper Deck Publishers and Ben Chakowsky and Daniel Mandel. All right. The next one on the list is Santorini. Chad, have you gotten a chance to play Santorini? Yes, I have played Santorini a couple times. Uh, it, it It is sort of an abstract game, kind of like we talked about earlier with War Chest. The powers in this game make it a little bit more interesting to play. 
but after I played it a couple times, it wasn't one that I was itching to play again. Uh, this game is from Rockley Games, which that's the nice thing about it. They've had a really nice production of the game. It's very pretty to look at on the table. And the designer is Gord! Exclamation point. I, I've Ooh. never heard of that before, so I don't I don't know that. But yeah, I think if you say his name, you have to Gord. yell it. He, his or hers. His or her name. I don't know. Yeah, but, I would say the first time I played it was with you. Oh, that's right. At, uh, I think at your house. And I, and I like pure abstracts. I like the idea of the powers, but man, it just did not click for me. And I even played it with Jessica and we played it several times. I still own it because the production is just ridiculous for just a pure abstract, but it, it's not my favorite. Hmm. Um, I've gotten a chance to play it. Uh, my friend Dan, he brought it over and, and showed it to me and we played with uh, my son Mason and the three of us played and Let's just say I probably came in, well, I don't think you can come in last. I think you just, you know, lose. But I, yeah, not a game that I'm very good at. I enjoyed it, though. I thought it was a neat little concept. And I, the first time we played it with just regular, and I thought, that's oh, okay. And then when we played with the powers, it was like, okay, I can see where this game could be pretty cool with the, with the different powers. Yeah, you should never play the game without the powers. Though. Yeah. All right, so the next one. The One Ring to Rule Them All. War of the Ring. First edition. Which, if I'm not mistaken, further down the list is the second edition, which is always a thing that I think is kind of weird. And Yeah, I wish they would these. just combine yeah, the Yeah, same entries. thing with Through the Ages and things like that. But anyways, uh, Richie, have you had a chance to play War of the Ring? I have not. Chad, have you had a chance to play War of the Ring? I have, actually. And oh, I nice. just want to say this is this is from Ares Games, and it's by designers Roberto D'Amelio, Marco Maggi, and Francesco Nepitello. And I'm sorry if I pronounced those wrong, but I just wanted to give credit. I will say I have played it. It is a highly thematic war game. With that being said, there are, just like a lot of war games, a lot of rules. And that those those rule books have a lot of pages to them i used to own this because i found it for a ridiculous deal and then i i played it with our 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 man of the podcast bryce and he gets it out about once a year and and because he loves the source material as do i and i played it and i thought you know with all these rules and getting this out once a year i'll totally have to reread a 70 page rule book and i'll have to figure out now the the play, you know, there was there were stories to be had. I can see why people like this. And if you like the source material, those stories play out in it. It's just the complexity of the rule set for how much it was going to get played for me ultimately made it something that I ended up selling. But I, I did enjoy my, my plays of it. And if Bryce said, hey, Chad, it's time. It's the year anniversary. Let's play War of the Ring. I'd say, hey, yeah, I'm in. Is it? Two players only? Yes, it is. Yep. Okay. So one is the sort of the the Sauron Nazgul side right. and the other are the the free peoples of Middle Earth. Okay. And you're kind of trying to marshal those sides. And of course what's interesting too is there's you're trying to get the hobbits down to throw the ring in Mount Doom before basically the other players right. can kind of realize what's going on and and the other players have to basically win so many their their end condition is winning so many battles out on the board yeah sounds like one i'll never play all right <laughs> <laughs> all right so next we have now this can't be the case is this or is this one yeah because they re they revised it yeah okay so this is once again one of those where agricola where it's a different version of it and that's so it's on here twice so correct okay. I think All they right. just balanced some of the cards, but we All can right. talk about that. Yeah, so um, so I think we've we've all played Agricola. Um, Chad, I think this is uh, right now still have if you played it. 
since the uh, two times with Stephanie earlier this year. We've gotten three plays in. Three three plays. Okay. Yeah, so one more and you lose, Clef. <laughs> Still feeling confident. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, this is from designer Uvo Rosenberg and uh, originally published, I think, by Lookout Games. But you know what? I am so glad that Stephanie really likes this game because it has made me appreciate it more and more. And you know how everybody talks about, uh, I don't like this game because it makes you have to do everything sort of thing and you get punished. You don't, actually. You don't have to do everything. You just have to do a couple of things so well that the things you're getting penalized for don't matter that much. Sounds exactly what Rado's been saying here lately. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that what he's, he's been, been saying? Okay. Well, he had something with Tom Vassell the other day. Oh, I watched okay. and he was trying to tell Tom Vassell that same thing. Is You don't have to do everything. You just have to do a whole bunch of things really good. Or yeah. Something. That, yeah. That, that is the case, though. If, if you get enough, you know, you if your engine takes off in, enough, in one area enough, then you can do that. Now, I think, again, this probably benefits from the, the more expansion where getting wood, uh, building out your... your your house to to expand on your family isn't quite so much a rush to do those things. That probably uh, is a benefit, but I haven't gotten to play with that yet. I mean, I am I'm definitely a Caverna fan, and now with the Forgotten Folk, I just I cannot see a, a time where I would play this again. Um, maybe on the app, I do have the app, and if but I may have so many board game apps, but yeah, I, I prefer Caverna. All right, moving on to the next one is Alchemist by CEG Games and Matthias Kodri. My wife loves this game i mean loves this game uh there got to a point where she'd be like hey let's play and i was like yeah i'll just not play a board game (laughs) uh but literally i think i beat her one time out of 15 times we played or something i because she loves deduction right oh she loves deduction um in fact i mean she could just do away with the whole worker placement part of the game that part she could just skip which is my favorite part of the game uh, she just liked the deduction and trying to figure it out and how could, you know, and it was really neat that how you were able to use your phone and put the, put the different uh, ingredients together and everything. I like it. Is it a game that I'm going to play a lot? Probably not. Do I still own it? Yeah. Because I think my wife would literally divorce me if I got rid of that game. So that's, you know, pretty much, okay, maybe not that severe, but uh, Chad, we've gotten a play of this game together. Yeah. And I even, <laughs> This is the way my brain works. I got the expansion, but I haven't played it yet. I, I mean, and this game is so this game is so thinky. It's like Chad, you don't. You, why don't you work a little bit on the base game first, Chad? Because you're you're not so good at that either. But uh, but I, it was on a super sale, and I really enjoyed my plays of this. And again, I'm getting to be more than you guys. Uh, I think I'm getting to be a, a fan of CGE games for the most part. And so I, I, I like I do like what this offers and I like the deduction piece. It is unique in that way with a combination of worker placement. Have you gotten to play it, Richie? Yeah, I have played it. I'm not I'm also I mean, I'm like you, Clef. I'm not a huge fan of deduction and it's a little long for me to be doing deduction. Like if I'm gonna do a deduction game what was that? Think straight? Yeah. Like that's what I want. Yeah. Something yeah. quick, fast, and it's over. Yeah. My wife loves that one, too. Uh, next on the list, we have Forbidden Stars by Fantasy Flight Games. Oh, yes. Uh, and this was designed by Corey Konitska, James Kniffen, and Samuel Bailey. So I'm a no. I have not played this. Richie? I'm also a no. I almost bought it when it was uh, it was on Amazon for a long time after the whole Warhammer licensing deal uh-huh. fizzled out. But I, I never pulled the trigger. But I've heard good things. The trifecta of no's. Uh, so this one, this one, we haven't played either. And I, I'd play it. I'd be interested, especially since Edward from Heavy Cardboard. I who, was just about to say that. Yeah, he seems to like 
some of the games that we like he he likes this game so and i've actually heard that the combat in it is is really interesting so i'd be i'd be interested to kind of see what that's like also jamie kiggy from uh, secret cabal this is one of his favorites too so well i i know our local listener michelle has this game Ooh. so i think it's still in shrink but i think i can maybe talk her into popping it open and we want to play that with her at origins so let's do that yeah like we'll have that time at origins all right <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that no good idea <laughs> All right, next on the list is, hmm, I don't know if anybody's played this one here, Stone Age? Uh, I think we're all yeses on that one. Yep, yep. it's like, from Z-Man Games and yeah. designed by uh, Bernd Brunhofer. Yeah, obviously great uh, gateway game for sure. I mean, this is one of my gateway games that I did play back in the day. Uh, I've played it a ton. Uh, one of the few games that I can actually play on Board Game Arena without getting too bored while playing it because it's fast enough. Really? Yeah. See, I'm not a huge fan of this game. I have I sold my copy maybe after a couple plays of it. Jessica wasn't a huge fan of it. And it just kind of, for what it is, it, it just outlasted. Or, it gets a little samey. Yes. It yeah. got very samey very yeah. quickly for yeah. us. Well, for me, I, I still have a copy uh, that I hunted down for pretty pretty cheap, and I've kept it. But honestly, Finn and my wife Stephanie really like this game and will play it two-player on the iPad app, actually. That's the way they like to play it best. And it actually is a good implementation on the iPad app if you're somebody who games that way. So yeah. Now, have you played either one of you played the expansion? It's like, it's a terrible name. I think uh, they changed it. It's now just Stone Age, the, the expansion. expansion. That's yeah. a good it's idea. like jewelry, or no, style it, is the style goal. Style is the goal yeah. because it's jewelry that you can make. And so I think they were equating that with style. Um, but yeah, it's not a good. Yeah, I've played it. I don't mind the I don't mind the expansion part of it. I will tell you what I do not like is it adds a fifth player and one time I played this five players with the with Ugh, that. Yeah. Oh my goodness, talk about way too long of a game. Mm. Way, way, yeah. way too I long. I wonder if we could come up with a game that adds a fifth player later that is actually fun to play. Yeah. Boy, that might be a draft we have to do somewhere <laughs> down the road. <laughs> that might be tough. a really tough draft. <laughs> <laughs> Games that do not need a fifth player. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So last on the list, Descent. Journey in the Dark, second edition. I'm going to guess I'm the only one. Well, I, I, I'm actually, a no. <laughs> I actually yeah, I played it too. This is, this is from Daniel Clark, Corey Ganetska, Adam Sandler, and Kevin Wilson in Fantasy Flight Games. But yeah, I've, I've you actually. You say Adam played, Sandler? No. Yes, you, I did. Yes, you did I, say Adam I, Sandler. I said Adam Sadler. <laughs> okay. Whoa, Adam Sandler. Move my little... <laughs> I'm not even going to do that. You can strike that. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so I don't, Richie. You you can talk most about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fine. It's not my. I played it a long time ago. Uh, Stefan bought this when I played it. It was a one versus all. So one person is kind of the dungeon master, and they control the different people, and then everyone else is the heroes. Uh, Jessica and Kristen. It was me, Jessica, and Kristen were the heroes, and they were getting mad at me because I was going after. I all I wanted was to open up the treasure chest and get just different weapons for myself. I wasn't helping out with the actual <laughs> game. But I know now they've released an app, kind of like Mansions of Madness, where the app runs all of the dungeon stuff, and then everyone is just a cooperative straight up. But yeah, it's fine. Not not my favorite dungeon crawler. Yeah, I just obviously just is not my style or anything that I would ever want to play. Yeah, I don't know. Chad, You maybe something with the family for you? Well, it was fine. I played it. I played it once, actually, when I was kind of getting into it at our board game cafe, Spielbound, and uh, you know it was fine. I, it, again, they didn't have the app out yet, and so 
now one game I did own like it was Imperial Assault. And I felt like when I, because I love Star Wars. And so when I played that, I ended up selling it. But when I played that, I felt like as the the force, the dark side or whatever, that you could really thump the other players easily. So this kind of can suffer from the same thing, I would guess. But with, with the app, that changes things. So if, if if Dungeons and Dragons are your thing, this might this might be the game for you. Okay, well, we've reached uh, the next 10, so now we got to kind of pick a favorite. Chad, what would your favorite out of this? I think we'll, we'll be a little bit different on this one, possibly. You know, going through this list, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say Agricola. I just, there's a sentimental reason because Stephanie likes it and I like to play it, and there's always a puzzle there with the cards that I really enjoy playing. So I'm going to pick Agricola. Mm, it's close between Star Realms and Castles of Mad King Ludwig, but I think I'm going to go Star Realms. That's the one I've definitely played the most, and I, if anyone put it on the table, I would play it with them for sure. I'm very interested to see Clef's choice here. Yeah, he, he looks an interesting. He bunch. looks perplexed. Right now, I'm I'm leaning towards Forbidden Stars, which I haven't played. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess I would have to go out. No, I'd have to go maybe Alchemist just because my wife loves it so much. And so that, yeah, I, I guess I'd go Alchemist. That that would be my pick out of this one. Boy, <laughs> this one's a lot tougher than the last one where it was just Grand Oster Hotel with no thought process. Yeah. So. All right. So anyways, that is our next 10. So next uh, time we will go through number 80 through 71. Ooh, Chad, did you see what number 80 was? I sure did. Ooh. We'll talk about that next time, though. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps this episode up. Or Yep. And for next time, I think we're going to do a draft because since this has been our year episode, basically, we're going to get back to the, the last five years and draft our favorites from 2014 since last year we did 2013. So. Nice. All right. Looking forward to that. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thanks a lot for listening. Have a great night. Hey, we really appreciate you listening. Take care. Thanks for listening.